Hello and welcome to the Red River Scripture Circles podcast. I'm Jennifer Schillinger and I'm joined today by our dear friend, Rabbi Noah, and also our special guest, Ethan Zahn, who is uh, in transition at Heartland Community Church to um, be transitioning into the lead pastor role. And we're just really excited to be able to spend some time today in conversation around the theme of blessing. So Noah, please lead us. Where where are we going to be spending our time today talking about blessing? Thank you, Jennifer. Well, before we dive in, um, I want to suggest to, to where we see it in Scripture and how the word works. When you guys hear the word blessing, what do you hear? What do you think of when you think of blessing or, be, or being blessed? I think I think of a hashtag blessed, kind of a modern mantra about just basically uh, having cool physical stuff <laughs> or being kind of zen and chill. Um that's kind of what my first thoughts are. I know that's not really what it means, but. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that there's something about like the having or like there's a comfort of like, oh, I got to have this great experience or right. I was given this gift and I'm like, oh, I feel so great about it. And, you know, hashtag blessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, it, it's, um, and it's always a funny thing when, you know, things that we see throughout our, our scripture uh, becomes a hashtag. <laughs> what are the implications of what are we actually saying? Right. And, and I love, as you both said, there's a way that this word is used, I think, culturally, uh, very commonly, not even always necessarily having to do with religion or faith or God. Um, and, but then how do we actually see this used in our Bible? Um, so the word blessing ha- has a has a, a lot more depth to it um, than necessarily like a hashtag blessed. You know, I got a new car. Look at me. I look so good in it. Here, I'm taking a selfie. Oh, I hope I don't get into an accident. Hashtag blessed. Or, you know, oh, I had this great vacation. I lounged around on the beach all day for two weeks and uh, oh, I had such a great tan. Uh, hashtag blessed. <laughs> you know, um, the word blessed in our Bible, um, when almost every single time we see the word blessed or blessing in our Bible, um, almost every time in Hebrew, it's this word Baruch. Baruch. And Baruch um, has a root. And this is where uh, Hebrew's root-based structure of language is really helpful in understanding how the language works. So Baruch um, is a is a word that has a root. Most words in Hebrew um, will have a three-letter root. Some will have a one or a two or a four or even a five-letter root. But most words in Hebrew will have a three-letter root. And when we get down to the root of the word, we really get the core concept that underlies an idea, and then the language will build upon itself. So this word baruch, which does mean blessing or blessed, um, has a root. And the root of the word baruch in Hebrew is the word berech. Berech, and berech literally means knee, like K-N-E-E, knee. Now, why might the root of the word for blessing be knee? I do think there's a little bit of posturing, probably, with the way that you receive a blessing. Ah, well, uh, there it is, right? Uh, Because oftentimes, one would kneel in order to receive a blessing, um, very well said, right? Uh, what is our posture? Uh, and so when we think about receiving a blessing, though, I think one of the most helpful places to think about this is to really ground us um, in an example in this conversation. And Genesis chapter 12, I think, is a very helpful place to begin with. Um, so Genesis chapter 12, uh, this is verses 1 and 2, just to kick off. 
The Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your native land, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will cause you to see. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, in that verse 2, um, it says, right, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And in that vein of Abram receiving a blessing, Abram receiving the blessing isn't singularly or solely for whom? Himself. Exactly. Right, exactly. It ain't just for himself. He's receiving this blessing for who? Everyone else. Everyone else. And just to that point of the everyone else-ness, I love it, Ethan, right? Um, that verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the families of the earth will bless themselves through you or in you. Um, so in this exact vein of conversation, oh no, uh, this is talking about not just Abram being blessed by God so he's going to get a bunch of stuff. Oh no, you will be a blessing and they're all going to bless themselves in you, through you. Meaning with blessing actually comes a whole lot of what? It affects a lot of people. Yeah, and I think the weight of that also speaks something. There's some some responsibility in that as well. Thank you, right? The responsibility and, and the and it's gonna impact a whole lot of people is hugely how this word is thinking. And that's where, you know, when we get into conversations about I'm just I'm having such a blessed time because I don't have to do anything or I'm not responsible for anything or I don't have to do any work. That's not necessarily at all how this word is thinking. And it's not to say that those can't be a gift from God. This word blessing, hugely, that verse two, I think, speaks so brilliantly to, I will bless you, you will be a blessing. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I just am thinking of, uh, thinking of uh, like the opposite of a blessing, you know, a curse, um, and how blessing has this kind of weight to it, if you will. Um, and uh, curses seem like, you know, you're, you don't, you don't have any weight. Uh, your your actions are like chaff in the wind. Um, I don't know. That's just interesting. Oh, Ethan. Okay, dude, you're so good. I love studying with you. Um, <laughs> in, in Genesis twelve three, right when it says, um, "I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you," um, when it says uh, that, curse those who curse you. It's a really juicy little. Um, thing that that God is saying because in that verse three it actually uses two different words for curse um when it's talking though as you said Ethan about the people who curse Abram God will curse them the word that it's using that it's using for the people cursing Abram in Hebrew is the word klala klala in this word, klala, as you said, um, which does mean curse, absolutely means curse. And this is where, as a, as a little uh, study footnote, there's multiple different words for curse in biblical Hebrew. Um, okay. <laughs> and, and this is where it gets to be so fun, but also uh, significantly more uh, degrees of complicated. Um, there's multiple words for curse. The word that appears here uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when it's explicitly talking about people cursing Abram or cursing his family, um, and the people doing that, that word for curses is klala. And that word, as you said, Ethan, literally means to be light. Oh, really? Light. Huh. Interesting. Exactly. Literally to be light as in weight, like, like wheat and chaff. Um, 
right? And if I'm light as in weight, I can be what? Well, I mean, you can be blown around a lot. <laughs> exactly. I can be blown around. Exactly. And um, I would certainly not be what, therefore? Hmm. That can be blown around. You wouldn't be, I mean, you wouldn't be solid or consistent or, I mean, nobody could rely on you. <laughs> Solid, consistent, right? Unreliable. Uh, one might say tremendously lacking in integrity. Yeah, yeah. And very easily blown around, right? By whatever is the fad or the thing of today. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting that um, when you think about the opposite of being blessed, when we think about blessing as something that is warm and fuzzy, makes us feel so good, and like we're winning at life. <laughs> And then, um, but to recognize that that's actually the thing that's weighty versus cursing is the thing that's light, an area that's easily blown around, that doesn't have a weight and it's not grounded. Like it's not, not really rooted in anything, um, which makes it unreliable. So, you know, the thing that we think is going to be like light is actually not the thing that is light. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The thing that we would assume is going to ease the burden of life is actually that's not the case at all. <laughs> it's a uh, how much fun God is having, right? And and God can make our burdens light. The notion that the blessing though is going to be light all the time, ah, you know. And this is where, um, please, I'm not trying to say to to never sit down and watch an hour or, or of television, but you know, if I think that. Um, just by binge watching a show for three days that uh, I'm so blessed, hashtag blessed. I want just that really more resembles this concept of Kla-la, to be light, mm. to, to not be grounded or rooted in anything and to be just blown around. Why? Well, look, everyone's talking about the show on Netflix. How do I not watch it? I mean, I'm going to be left out of all these conversations and I'm going to be a social outcast. So I need to know what happens on this show. I, so I just got to binge watch it over the next three days. Uh. You know, I'm curious, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, uh, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. It really makes me think that Paul is telling these people uh, to get out from under the curse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you read that verse again? Yeah. It's uh, Ephesians 4, 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Hmm. That is so, you know, it, uh, wow. It, it, um, there's so, I'd be so curious to know more of the Greek, but just one of the things that, that jumps to mind is, um, Back in Genesis chapter three, when the serpent is referred to as the most crafty or the most cunning mm. of, of all the of all the animals, and you know what does the serpent do but to do the very thing to try to make us light, to toss us to and fro, to not have us be following what we know we've heard from the Lord, and, and to pull us away from that relationship. Yeah. Interesting. And it's interesting too that that dynamic of of children, uh, you know, I think in that vein. 
it's so fun with the Ephesians 4.14 of how children so much model behavior. You know, what it's, it's really fun. Um, I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to stay in people's homes and, and not infrequently they'll have kids around. And one of the things that I always find so striking is when kids exhibit the exact behavior of, of adults that they're surrounded with. Um, I was in a home recently and a child was literally acting out the behavior that he's witnessed in one of his grandparents. Um, and it was quite striking because you could see the grandparent in the space. I've happened yeah. to get to know them a little bit and the child literally behaving. And, and here's just, oh, they're seeing this and they're trying to understand what the grandparent is doing in that moment. So they're acting out the behavior, you know, and thinking here about children, how we can be so blown to and fro and carried about with every wind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly is like where are we allowing to be influenced, you know, and by what are we open to, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's what gets to be, um, you know, the, the craftiness and the cunning of, of that, which is light, which is on one level, one could say that in some sense, certainly not in every, but in some sense, in the short term, in the very short term, it might be easier to be klala than to be berech. Um, in that, look, what, what does it really matter? I'm just going to go along to get along. And we just all have to just make sure everything works because I don't want to offend anyone. And I just want to make sure if, I don't want to ruffle any waves. I don't want to make any problems. So I'll just go with whatever everyone's doing and we won't worry about it. How often we pursue things like that. We like when we think about blessings, like, Oh, I just want to get to a place in my life where I don't have a lot of conflict. I don't have a lot of stress. I don't have, you know, an overwhelming sense of responsibility. I just want to be comfortable and safe and cared for and, all of these things that, you know, we think about is the pursuit of the American dream or just the pursuit of happiness that um, so more closely aligns with the Kala, more about these airy sort of light, easy yeah. spaces instead of really what it is to be blessed and how we say and we pray to be blessed often when we, when we go to the Lord, we say, bless me, please bless me do we know what we're asking for? Yeah. I realize we're asking for more responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that is interesting. Cause I've actually, I've done a study with you. I, I think, I think with you, Noah on Genesis chapter six and talking about how Noah had the favor of God. And I don't know if it's the same word or not, but it has, it has a very similar theming in the least. Um, and, uh, I remember after that study, thinking about responsibility and how God gives responsibility to those he favors and those he blesses. And I remember I was taking a master's degree and uh, I had a baby on the way and we were talking about me transitioning to the lead pastor. And I was like, wow, I am blessed. I have a lot of responsibility and more coming. And uh, it just made me realize a lot that I didn't, I don't know. God has really done a lot in my life and uh, he really expects a lot to whom much is given. Much will be required is what Jesus said. Amen. That is so well said. Ah, Ethan, I love that. Right. That when Jesus says that it's, it's, if only we would really uh, always walk in the knowing of that. I, I wish I did more. At least I'll speak for myself. Right. In that Genesis six, eight, um, right, that you were talking about, uh, the word there for favor in, in Hebrews, it's uh, the word chen, which is actually the word grace. Um, 
yeah, favor grace. Uh, but it, it, it goes in that vein of, um, you know, here comes blessing or here comes grace. And it's not that the Lord isn't strengthening us and empowering us and that that isn't a part of it because it is a massive dynamic of what we're talking about. And it's not as if there's going to be no struggles or no challenges or that the enemy isn't going to look at this as an incredible opportunity to try to crafty come its way in. Um, and I think we were told that in so many levels explicitly when we even think about some of these verses. You know, When we're in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it doesn't say, oh, I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And no one's going to be against you. It's like, no. The Lord tells us explicitly, oh, no, there's going to be people trying to make you light, trying to unground you, trying to unroot you, trying to draw you away from me. So that, the idea that that's not going to happen, no, I'm going to curse those who curse you. There's going to be people coming against. So the idea that when we're walking with the Lord, when we'll say things like we're following Jesus, that, oh, that means everything's going to be hunky-dory and I don't have to worry about anything coming against. Yeah. That's actually not the, the picture we're being given in our scripture. Hmm. And I think, I think, too, that the society, I think, has tricked a lot of people into this is the expectation. You just wait till you retire. Once you retire, oh, man, that's when life really starts. You know, it's not when you have responsibilities. It's when you get rid of your responsibilities that, uh, you know, life is truly good. And that's, you know. I think our society has made basically an entire generation of uh, unsatisfied people uh, that are looking forward uh, to something that isn't necessarily fulfilling at all. And then how often do you talk with people? Like I, I just, I love to talk to people that are in transition of life because I feel like they're the most contemplative and reflective and the reality of what that current transition means to them. And I've talked several times with people who have been transitioning to um, retirement or have just been in retirement. And actually both my parents just, just retired and like the distinct still desire and need for purpose that actually the transition out of that, out, out of that space of responsibility and blessing to a place where it is, could be potentially lighter that those that don't ground themselves again and receive, I would say, more responsibility um, in that space of blessing, like the gift of that, of maybe pursuing something that's been um, a talent or a passion or a piece of purpose that maybe they hadn't fulfilled yet. Um, those that don't do that, like they, they don't fare well. No. And there's so much research about like, you know, how their minds fail. Like, you know, the, the, there's actually like physiological repercussions to not being in that, um, that pursuit of like, working and and that idea of blessing others of being uh whether it's mentoring or transitioning that or um that knowledge or that experience to the next generation like they're with in the absence of that it's a very swift decline so so how much of a lie is that that we spend our whole lives thinking that we're not living the blessing right in pursuit of what we think will be the blessing to have that be the downfall yeah i'm kidding yeah, Jennifer, I love as you said that that um, because I remember reading some some like you said some research and and some measurements on this and and not to get try to be overly morbid here, but I think when people really have they're living out their passion, their purpose, who God's created them to be, and then that stops because as they've been told right by how many people, oh, you have to retire, retirement's great, and all these things. The number of people that's actually will, will and again not to be morbid, but 
who pass in the first few years after they retire and they really love what they've done is an astonishingly high number. Um, and like you said, even just decline quickly, uh, even if it's not, it, it, it is pretty jarring, the, the, the research that's around on this. Um, and, and I think it gets to be so sad because in our scripture, there's not an idea of retirement. Like the word retire isn't a word in biblical Hebrew. There's no word for retirement. Um, and yet how much of, of life today is geared towards, well, when I retire, I'm going to do all these things I've always loved or dreamed of doing. And, and, it's, and it's not to say that that's not a beautiful idea. The concept of retirement, though, is, is not really biblical. I mean, the kind of the closest thing we get to retirement as an idea is death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I really love when you go back to um, chapter 12 here, when it talks about, you know, that um, you'll be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you, you know, and that the people, that blessing is going to continue. It's so communal, mm-hmm. which I think is also when we think about retirement, it almost feels like the separation from where it's like pulling out. Okay, you're done now. Like this whole communal space of influence and responsibility, okay, you're done now we're going to put you over here in this other bucket and then you, you go like live out your last days on a beach somewhere that, that it goes back once again to that, that communal space where it's like to be blessed and to be knit into community is part of that purpose. And I love, as you said, the increase, right? The, the multiplication with blessing, uh, this idea that if, if God blesses me, well, I'm just going to hoard that and keep it for myself. And I'm going to, and I'm not saying to not be wise, but just I'm going to invest that very well and not think about any other person than myself. And I'm going to make sure I take care of me alone. And that's all the wildly communal nature of blessing, right? I will bless you. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. You know, this whole conversation isn't strictly about Abram. And that's where I think, you know, when we think about Genesis chapter 12 and what the Lord is saying and really doing here with Abram, it sometimes I think becomes unhelpfully a Lord and Abram conversation. And it's just the two of them. And there's massive far-reaching implications, right? When it says at the end, all the families of the earth will bless themselves in you, with you, through you. It's not thinking him alone. There's a tremendous communal dynamic to this conversation. Yeah, and it's the conduit. You know, I feel like the importance of the yes, too, because I feel like sometimes when we're faced with that opportunity of blessing, and if we can grasp the magnitude of what it really means to be blessed, like the responsibility of, of the yes, the surrender of the yes, because he also has to say yes to that, recognizing, you know, I'm, I would be the conduit to that, but that there, I have to lock that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting too, because that, you know, I think that Abraham was called to be a sojourner, right? Somebody who doesn't really settle, they continue on the, on the path and, and uh, they don't really get settled in at one place very often, very, very much. And uh, I think that that is, that is a societal goal is in our societies to get settled. And I really think that God calls us to be sojourners, to pick up camp and keep on moving. I, I love as you even, um, amen. It, and I think it's one of the greatest wrestles, the very thing that you raised there, which is to be grounded and rooted in the Lord and what he tells us in his word and to be sojourners <laughs> you know, and to hold the two of those things that seem so at odd that are actually wildly interwoven and to be part of community 
as you're in the move, on the move. And I think we actually get such a beautiful example of that, not just with Abraham, but I also think hugely with Jesus, right? You know, he's not necessarily come to this synagogue, come to this church um, uh, one day a week for 90 minutes, two hours, and uh, that's where we're going to do ministry. That's it. That, that's how ministry works. I'm not, I'm never going to go anywhere. Never gonna, you know, it's only I talk to the people, a part of this community and we got to be in this, these walls. And otherwise, sorry, not a part of the group. Good luck. You know, it, is that the picture he paints for us? You know, he's constantly on the move. How many times people don't even know where he's going or figure out when he left. Um, and, and just the example that that gives of the sojourning nature. And I don't want to make that necessarily the call for everyone. Right. But, that's not so infrequent um, for people in the Bible. Hmm. It's fun to think in that vein um, with Abraham and the call that he has to, to, to be a sojourner. And then to think with Isaac, Isaac being told explicitly, you will never leave the land of Canaan. Right. You yeah. have to stay here forever. And so much so that he can't even go find a wife that, um, that mom and dad have to go send someone to find a wife for. It, it, you know, so, and then actually in the next generation, right, with Jacob, Jacob, who will go in and out, right? He, he leaves Canaan after the, the let's say, kerfuffle with the blessing uh, yeah. with his dad and his mom. And, and, you know, he goes back to Haran, but then he comes back to Canaan, but then he actually leaves and goes to Egypt, but then they go back to Canaan to bury him. And so there's this constant movement for him as well in his life. And that I think what gets to be, I think so often the temptation is, you know, oh, if Abraham's a sojourner, then for sure his kid has to be. And then we see, oh, no, his kids actually has to do something else. Well, then, okay, well, then we must be going into now we're settling in Canaan because that's the direction. And that's not exactly what Jacob does or even what Joseph does. And so, right. you know, it, God can call us in all different kinds of ways. But I think to your point, the, the, the idea of going out um, and the idea of going out and blessing and being on the move a lot is not an infrequent call. Interesting. Well, and it makes me think too of when they were supposed to, Israel was supposed to take the promised land. And uh, it seemed like with Joshua leading them, they had obviously had some troubles in there, but it seemed like the main trouble started when they all settled in the land and uh, they stopped taking what God had called them to take and uh, stopped pushing as hard as he had called them to. And yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It is. I think that inclination towards self-reliance, which not to not to say that that's necessarily inherently a bad thing, but when in that I leave God out of the conversation, can turn in a very different way. Yeah. Can we be grounded enough in the Lord, but um, light enough, like mobile enough to, you know, it makes me think about the Israelites when they were in the wilderness um, and they were just following God around wilderness you know so it's like when the cloud moved when the fire moved like then they moved you know so it's like okay okay now we're gonna set up camp oh man he's moving it okay okay, then we gotta back up move to the next place you know it's like can we both be grounded and settled and be able to pick up and move when we're called to yeah kind of an, an opposite example of this that i'm thinking of i've just been listening to first and second samuel and uh, so this might be a big distraction, but I, I love the character of Saul. I think he's such an interesting character. Uh, I think he is such a, a human character. Uh, and uh, when he was about to go to battle with the Philistines, uh, he was waiting for Samuel to come and, and cast lots to see whether or not they should go to battle. And uh, instead of waiting, he took the ephod himself and uh, and he drew 
Uh, and then, you know, and because of that, you know, Samuel really ripped into him and said, the kingdom has been torn from you. And um, I, I think it's interesting because he didn't have the patience to wait. So this is really an opposite example. Um, he wanted to just do it himself, take it into his own hands, which I also noticed the attending priest was Ichabod, which was really interesting, um, which was Phineas's son, uh, Eli's son, Phineas and Ichabod. Uh, I thought that was super interesting. What a representation of the glory of God leaving. Um, and uh, anyways, I just thought, you know, that's a that's kind of fresh on my mind since I've been listening to that. But. Yeah, like so much about our own choices in that, right? Like we want to be right. the one to direct instead of it being. Um, I would say that like with people that sometimes there's um, like we have our own tendencies. Some of us have a tendency like in the absence of strong direction, we do. And in others, in the absence of certainty, we will we will choose not to act. And so sometimes we have like our natural bends of like, you know, are you like Saul in that situation where you're like, well, I'm just like, I'm, I'm impatient. I cannot wait on the Lord. So I'm just going to do, right. or are we just like, well, I'm just going to wait for God to do something here. So I'm just going to like hang back and just see what happens. <laughs> and that wrestle too, of just like waiting on the Lord, you know? Yeah. And fighting your own tendencies to a point, you know, I, I don't know that because, yeah, because you have a tendency doesn't mean that's what you should do. And my tendency is just to make decisions without, without really thinking about it. Just like, okay, this seems like the right thing to do. Let's do it. And so my tendency is a little more like Saul, honestly, where I, I can just make decisions without really consulting the Lord. And I've, I personally got to really be careful about that um, and uh, fight that side of me. I love that you talked about the humanity of Saul. I think Saul oftentimes gets read, um, and it's not to say he always does makes the best decisions, right? But simultaneously, he's a human behaving like right. a human. And yeah. and do I not have compassion? And can I not extend any grace to a person being a person? Um, and that what a gift from our Lord to give us these examples of humanity. That our Bible is not simply filled with a bunch of people who never make any mistakes ever. And that's all that everyone ever talks about is these, you know, it's like, uh, right. Unless we're looking really to Jesus, we're going to find a whole lot of people behaving humanly a lot of the time. And they're going to make mistakes. They're going to come up short. They're going to do things that in hindsight, retrospect, they probably wish they really, really hadn't done. And, you know, and God still calls them. God still blesses them and blesses them to be a blessing, even knowing everything God knows about us and knowing there will be times when, I might not, I, I might do something I really, really shouldn't. I mean, I think that's, that's such a, um, that's just the redemptive nature of God. You know, I even think about Abram, like, and how God said this. He said, I'm going to bless you, you know, and you should be a blessing. And, you know, all those that you bless will bless and that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And then, um, you know, then we have Ishmael and we have like all of these, you know, take lot with him, like, you know, that he didn't always make the choices that necessarily, um, that God was calling him to. And yet he still blessed him and that he still made of him a great nation. Um, and I know that's not, it's not always a one for one. Like there's not always the same case. It doesn't always play out the same way, but I do think that there is something, um, in that as well, where, I, I don't think that um, Abraham's 
heart ever left the Lord, even though he was imperfect. And I think because of that posturing, the Lord still continued to bless him and bless others through him, which I mean, is, is such a a positive message for us because we're going to mess up, you know, like even when we receive that blessing, even if we say yes to that, that we will inevitably make choices that maybe don't perfectly align in that as long as our heart posturing is still, if we're still willing to kneel before the Lord and receive it um, and be humble in that, that it can still work out to the good. Yeah, that's good. My mind is just going to Psalms 4610. He says, be still and know that I am God. And that's typically the only part that gets heard. Um, It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Uh, And that's the whole verse, which we only usually hear the first half. Uh, But it just, I think everything, everything that God does with us is filled with purpose um, and I think to be a blessing, the purpose is that it will bless others. Um, and even to know God is to exalt God among the earth. You know, there's always this greater purpose in mind when he's ever giving you anything, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, and I was thinking um, in that vein, uh, how much God is entrusting us when God blesses us. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know how much... Um, I or I hear necessarily discussed about uh, how much God is actually entrusting us as imperfect people uh, with unbelievable, um, at least in my mind, uh, clearly not to him, but um, to, to, to be a blessing. And, yeah. and what does it actually mean to think about that God's trusting us? So if God's trusting us, mm-hmm. there's probably a pretty decent reason God's doing that. Yeah. Well, we're the ones who make him look bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just the two of us. No, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer's fine, but yeah, we're yeah, fine. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Oh. It is interesting, though. I, I am reminded, um, you know, because, you know, a couple of years ago, we had an opportunity where um, Alan, Noah's dad, and Noah, and then Ethan, and then Ethan's dad, Kevin, um, sat in front of our church and talked a little bit about generational transition. And I even think about, you know, there is a generational um, responsibility, even in this blessing, where... And saying that all families of the earth will be blessed and recognize that there's a transition of that blessing. There's a passing down of that blessing. Um, and what that means for that, you know, when we talk about Tove, which I think we're going to be talking about in our next um, podcast, but just like sowing seeds into the next generation, what that looks like. And I would be curious to hear from both of you, like when you think about like the, having received that blessing, you know, having received that call and that transition of that blessing, generationally in um, both areas of like leadership and teaching for you, how you've received that, maybe how you've seen that and how you feel like you're experiencing that blessing now. Hmm. Do you want to go first? No, you can go first. Oh, thank you. I'll base my response off of yours. No, just kidding. (laughs) Well, uh, I'll actually tie it to a piece of what Ethan was just speaking about. Um, so when he was, uh, that Psalm 46, verse 10, right? I, I will exalt you uh, in the nations. I'll exalt you in the earth or among the nations, among the earth. The word there for exalt in Hebrew is the word arum. Um, and that's actually a word that fascinatingly enough first appears in the Noah passage. Um, it's when it's in a, so it's Genesis chapter six, uh, verse 17. I believe this is the first, if not the second usage, but um, I believe it's the first usage here. Genesis six seventeen, And I'll say the flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and raised 
the ark so that it rose above the earth. And so when it says, you know, rose above, uh, or depending on how that 17 gets translated, it's actually that word arum. Um, and so in thinking about that dynamic, you know, when we're thinking about the ark, uh, we're looking at literally uh, the preservation of life, uh, the sacred future, right? It's in this ark um, with Noah and the animals. And it's above the waters, uh, above that which will um, destroy uh, everything else. And so it, there's this incredible sacred future nature to the exalted. Um, and, and that just, I felt like it's so beautifully tied in that Psalm 46, verse 10. And then with what you were saying about um, the question that you raised, I, I think having that humble heart and posture is so foundational in, in what this means to walk it out. Uh, I'll speak from my experience that there is so much potential weight to that blessing, although it oftentimes, I think, with the Lord's and the Spirit leading, doesn't necessarily feel like a, like a heavy burden. Um, right. And th- there's this, uh, I actually get to do this. I actually get to walk this out. And the amount of impact that that can have. And then I think one of the places I turn to uh, very quickly is how to nurture and cultivate this in the next generation. That this, you know, if it's being to me, okay, I'm, I might be 31, but how to already be thinking about the next generation? Because there's a whole lot of people that are coming up and, and I know I ain't going to live forever. Right. And so how to nurture and cultivate this in people? Because the idea of blessing that this is being passed down and that it's stopping here, no, it's got to continue to be exalted among the nations, exalted among the earth. And it's got to continue to rise above that which can destroy. And the sacred future needs to be preserved and passed on. So I think that that dynamic of, of not thinking about it as I'm a special unicorn that everyone needs to <laughs> and it's, and, and, uh, seeing the generative nature of this and the generational way in which God works um, throughout our scripture and, and uh, thankfully to this very day. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, man, he said a lot of good stuff. Uh, but I, I think too, with passing this on, yeah, I don't know. I think some people, I've been telling this to a few people. I think some people think that, uh, you know, I've been at the church on staff for, I think, almost 10 years. And uh, some people will think I'm just this really loyal, super consistent guy. And really, if there if there is like this general, this general pathway, it's more because of just uh, my, I don't want to say stupidity, but I just kind of continue on in something. And it's not because of any like valorous character quality. It is just something that it's just like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm just going to keep on, keep on going until something else happens. Or because the, the old stores I used to work at kept shutting down. So I kept having to move on. Um, I think that passing on the faith is so important. I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about a message maybe titled, you're going to die. Um, and, uh, and just talking about how we're all going to die. And one of our primary ways of passing things on is through our direct family. And uh, like, if you didn't pass, if you didn't pass things on to like your, your sons and daughters and things like that, really, what have you done with your life? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I feel like my, my dad is, it makes me think of second uh, Timothy in chapter one, verse five, where it says, Paul speaking to Timothy, who's a very young leader Um, And he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and is now and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now in you also. 
And so I'm just thinking about Timothy and his, his grandmother and his mother passing down the faith. And I feel like the blessing of that, I, I feel so fortunate to be in this position where I get to work with my dad. Um, I think it's so I think it's so awesome, and I'm so glad he's going to continue to work at the church with us. I really feel like we'd lose out on a lot if he didn't. But uh, there's just this, yeah, the, the weight of it, like I feel the weight of it, and but I'm also not daunted by the weight of it, if that makes sense, um, because I feel like this is very clearly what God wants, and so I'm not daunted by the weight of it because he's called me to it. Um, and because I think he's he's made given me what I need, you know, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I think of uh, kind of the, the the cliche little saying. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but uh, he doesn't call the equipped; he equips the called. I really I think that's true in this sense, and just really kind of looking forward to it. I know the weight is going to settle when I actually take the leadership role of the church in December. Uh, but knowing that it's not my dad who called me to this, it's not, uh, it's not a, an idea of my own making, um, but it's, it's the Lord and I can rest and have confidence in the Lord and not necessarily myself. Yeah. I'm reminded of the, the saying, you know, like, um, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. You know, I think there is something, you know, when, um, you know, two yaks are like yoked together. Like they have one that's kind of carrying most of the burden and the other one that's kind of being trained, right? Maybe they're not carrying as much of the load, but when you're not pulling against the yoke, when they're walking in tandem, that actually it's not that much weight for the second. And I think that's so much of what it is to walk along um, with the Lord. And, and this idea of blessing that both of you have um, received that generationally recognize what came before and recognize the responsibility of what comes after and that there is a weight and a responsibility to that, but also the grace that rests on you in the Lord and that it's not, it's, you feel the weight of the responsibility, you recognize the responsibility, but yet it's not, it's light because of the grace of the Lord. You know, I think about Noah and um, they had to build this ark for water that they'd never seen before and rain that had never happened. Yeah. Um, but God gave him grace you know, what is it to have grace? And there's like grace in the sense of responsibility, but there's also um, that measure of support that is in you because of, of following and walking that out. Yeah. I also feel too that one thing our society really likes to uh, glorify is aggressive leadership um, is kind of this, this bombastic, you know, really in your face kind of leader that, um, kind of takes advantage of people. And I don't know if you've ever met Noah, but there's a humility um, to Noah that is there. And that is like, that's a godly leader. Um, and that is, that's what the Bible calls a leader. And uh, is somebody who's humble, somebody who's meek, uh, somebody who is is gentle and kind. And you know what, what Paul describes to Timothy as what an, the requirements of an elder and and uh, I just think that our society has gotten it backwards, and so we've sometimes have gotten it backward. And we think if I want to become a lead pastor, well, I got to take the bull by the horns. I got to be aggressive. I got to go out and get like I would in the secular world. Well, that's not how God intends you to rise in leadership biblically. Ethan, thank you. And, and there was something you said that um, you know, I, I think it's I, I don't think I'd be out of line saying this. We both love our fathers so much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I think 
It's hard to find language oftentimes to express the degree of gratitude that I feel for not just who my father is and how he's walked out who God's created him to be, but in how he's raised my sister and myself and and for the unbelievable gift that both of my parents um, um, are for us. And the impact that that has, as you talked about the generational nature that that's speaking to in Timothy, um, uh, that feels so foundational. And, and to recognize that that faith comes from somewhere. The idea that my faith starts and ends with myself, that there's actually, there have been people pouring and pouring and pouring into us right? Um, that, that are how we in part get to be here today. And to not recognize that, to not see that, um, to think that, you know, I am the alpha and the omega or the beginning and the end, that, that uh, you know, there, there are so many who, who have loved us, who have nurtured us, who have taught us. Yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, our parents are, are you know, if, if the only people our parents are going to pour into were to just be everyone's children, what a different world that would look like um, if yeah, every parent was, was um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for the conversation and for um, helping us consider what blessing really looks like and um, the reality of walking that out in our lives practically. And thank you both for sharing um, so personally about what that transition and that experience has been for both of you. I know that the blessing that has been transitioned to you is being transitioned to those that are around you and mm. um, to the next generation. I know I've already been experiencing that and, and witnessing that. So um, yeah, my prayer over both of you is that it would just continue to, um, that, that, that blessing would continue to bear fruit in your life and in others' lives. Um, and for those listening, I, you know, I hope that this helps you consider too how the Lord is blessing you and, um, what that responsibility might look like and also how you're walking that out faithfully with the Lord. Um, so that even though it is important and there, there's some responsibility to that, but, um, that it's not heavy. And that, um, and that it bears much fruit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you next time. Hear you next time. <laughs>